Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? All right. Well, welcome to Block Talk Radio on Tuesdays uh, here at the Catch. And uh, if you do not get the catch every day in your email, um, please go to catchjohnfisher.com and sign up. And uh, you'll get something fresh from me, John Fisher, every morning. And then on top of that, you'll begin to find out all the things we have going because this is uh, really growing into much more than just a blog. We've got uh, this show on Tuesday nights. We've got church now on Sunday nights, online church on at Facebook, um, live Facebook. So you can take part, go to church and take part for a change. And uh, we've got um, a counseling ministry, and we have uh, 10, uh, 12 prayer Warriors who are are praying all the time around the clock. They take this very seriously. And if you have a prayer request, just record it in and we will get on it. And we will even ask you uh, how it's going down the road because we like to follow all of this stuff up. So it's a pretty exciting place to be. We got some great things happening here at the catch. For some time now, the last couple months, we have been uh, very excited about uh, just new developments, a new kind of spirit, what we believe is a spiritual awakening. We've been studying Acts on Sunday nights, so please come in and, and, and uh, pick up on that if you'd like. Um, but now we're into Christmas, and for the month of December, we have a very interesting topic, and... Uh, here to help us uh, get started is uh, someone who's not new to the catch at all. Uh, McNair Wilson has been on a couple times, and uh, he's, <laughs> you can see his, his face, his, his little video is still on our uh, website and uh, encouraging you to become a, a member partner with us. Uh, uh, McNair is... Uh, just probably the most creative person I know. He's an actor, a playwright, uh, author, uh, director. He has uh, worked with uh, Dis- on the Disney Imagineering team. He's given his own TED Talk. How many people do you know have done that? And uh, now he's primarily uh, consulting and uh, giving seminars. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, Craig, but um, doing a lot of encouragement of the creative process in each one of us. Um, so we thought he'd be a great place to start with uh, with our question this week. So 
McNair, welcome back to Catch Radio. Thanks, John. Real quickly, I'm going to explain to people you introduced me as McNair and then called me Craig. My full name, folks, is Craig McNair Wilson. McNair is my grandfather, my dad's father. And in 1996, I found out that McNair means son of the servant. And so I started introducing myself. I moved back to the Bay Area in 96 as McNair is my first name. So people that call me Craig have known me before 96. John Fisher has known me since before 1896. <laughs> We've been <laughs> friends for a what, since the 70s, John, or something? A long time. Uh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. and and uh, we had to stay friends because we don't have that many. And uh, so I, I, whether people call me Craig or McNair, that's how I carbon date my friends. And I never correct people. So whatever people remember to call me is fine. So anyway, good to be back yeah. on the catch. And a great, great topic yes. for, for, the, for, for Advent, yeah. for Christmas. Great to have you. But before we start talking on that, I want to hear about that. I understand you're working on a new project right now, a new book. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite a way through it. Um, I'm, I'm, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can, I can feel the fresh air at the end of the tunnel. You know, I wrote a book uh, a few years ago called Hatch, like Hatch and Egg, Hatch, Brainstorming Secrets with a Theme Park Designer, because I, most of my clients, I'd get to them and I'd see that what they were doing that they called brainstorming wasn't brainstorming. It was what I call playful arguing with snacks on the table. So I said, maybe there's a way to stop <laughs> arguing and keep the snacks. And even when I was at Imagineering, where the design, all the theme parks and resorts, and I was there for a number of years and worked on a whole bunch of projects. Uh, Disney MGM Studios, I headed up the team that thought it would be fun to put people in a rusty elevator in the Haunted Hotel and drop them 13 stories. And that became Tower of Terror, and they sort of liked it. They said, okay, we like that. We'll take four of them. And, uh, and, and so it worked on a lot of projects. But even at Imagineering, they weren't doing brainstorming. Somebody would have an idea, and somebody immediately would shoot it down or tell them why it was too expensive or there's not enough time or how are we going to do that. And that's not brainstorming. That's arguing. And so the book was my seven agreements of brainstorming. And I was teaching classes on that at, at, at Imagineering through Disney University, the in-house um, department that, you know, teach, teaches people how to do stuff. When we were doing, when we decided to build a theme park in Paris, Disney University was tasked with teaching a lot of Disney executives and Disney Imagineers how to speak French so that they could work uh, more closely with French um, folks in, in terms of uh, construction people as well as architects and so on because uh, it's more likely that the French will speak English than that we'll speak French so Disney University takes those things on and then I started teaching a brainstorming it was very successful at Imagineering started teaching it at the at the studio to executives and immediately from the very first session with top Disney execs they said well I understand your process but I'm not creative and I didn't know what they meant John and as I began to interview them and unpack what they meant was I'm not artistic and that's such a narrow, narrow um, vision of what creativity is. Everybody has a creative spirit. So I spent a year researching and talking to everybody I could imagine to talk about creativity, including my dad, who I have a chapter on in the book, and he's the most creative, least artistic person I've ever known. In fact, at his funeral, the four men who spoke, there were five of us, I spoke, and four other men that knew him professionally and man that had been his pastor a couple times, all of them, without consulting with each other, and we all commented on this later, talked about how creative my dad was. And friends of mine who were there said, geez, I knew your dad. I never knew he was artistic. I said, nobody used that word all day long. They talked about his creativity, mm -hmm. and he was an educator. 
how his school became a model school for other Christian schools, not only in Southern California, but around the country. And, and, um, and, and so the book, the new book is um, the book version of my Ted talk, recapturing your creative spirit, where I make the case for what are the, what are the behaviors? And I call them habits. What are the habits of actively creative people? Cause I say, we're all creative. When you take a shortcut, when you're driving somewhere, sometimes without thinking, you say, I'm going to go here and here and here and here. It might not be um, shorter, but it might be faster, and it might not be faster either. But it makes you feel better that you're getting out of the traffic and going around. That's your creative spirit. Right. And talk about what mm-hmm. is that and, and, and those habits we do. And we all do these these handful of habits that I've identified, you know, and how can we take them and make our lives more actively creative, meaning consciously choose to be, to be creative. And so, so that's, that's going to be the second book in this hatch trilogy. That's probably going to be four books. So I call it the four book trilogy. It might be five, but for now it's, it's <laughs> going to be two. And, and, you know, if people are interested, they just go to my website, tea with McNair, like the drink T E A with McNair. And they'll see a thing there. It says hatch sample. They can open up a, a sample of chapter of the book and see some of my doodles in there. Even have a chapter on how to doodle in in the Hatch book, and then there's also instructions how you can get the book. It's of course it's on Amazon, but if you buy it from me, you get it autographed. But anyway, the new book will be the follow up book to help people understand how to access their own creativity. Craig, uh, what is the difference between um, art, artistic, and creative? Art, art is just a, a, a form of expressing your creativity. You know, my dad expressed his creativity by running a school that was different than other schools. He looked around at other Christian schools and said, you know, how come nobody has marching bands? How come nobody's doing any good with, with, with athletics? And, and, and um, how come our, our school library is just leftover, worn-out books from the missionary barrel in the back of the church? You know, it should be a, if it's going to be a school, it should be a school. I mean, he was instrumental in saying we need to have a national organization, not just the California Association of Christian Schools. And so he was instrumental in starting what is now the Association of Christian Schools International. And he identified the man that should be the head of it and the, the organization, Paul Kino. He was head of past Christian schools at the time, and he should have a Ph.D. to be at that level. Well, Paul Kino spoke at my dad's funeral because he was – that close to my dad all those years and in making a difference and making a school, you know, a different place. One of the things he did creatively, he had a school that was K through eighth, kindergarten through eighth grade. And in first through sixth grade, there were two classes. So you had two homerooms and he would hire teachers so that in fourth grade, Mrs. Ratzloff would teach math and science to both groups of kids. Whereas Mrs. Douglas was better, better at language arts and, and geography and that kind of stuff. So you'd get exposed to those two things and, and to get a variety of teachers. One of the things he did, he never had on his faculty of 30 some uh, teachers and instructors never had more than four who had graduated from the same institution. And it didn't matter whether it was Cal state, LA, Wheaton, Westmont or Biola or, or UCLA or San Diego state. If, if you came in, John, and you said, you know, well, my, you know, gosh, I, I went to University of California, Santa Cruz. And he said, you know what? I already got four people from there. But if he liked you, he could make a couple of calls, and, and he couldn't guarantee you a job, but he could certainly, with his recommendation, get you at a good interview, and 90% of the time those people would get hired somewhere else. Because he wanted to have a variety, just even behind the scenes, of teachers talking to each other with different philosophies, different training, different pedagogy is the technical term. So just stuff like that. So creativity is just, wow. it's the way you do 
It's the way you do things that are different. It's the way you mm. dress. It's the way you eat. It's the way you, you know, and everybody says, you know, he's funny. It's like, you know, I had a girlfriend one time, and she was yelling at my mom. She said, what's the deal about him eating pizza and fried chicken with a knife and fork? She says, don't blame me. He made that up on his own. And I said, well, it's less messy. I like doing it that way. It's just that's my way of doing it. Now, whether that's my creative spirit or not, I, I don't know. But, but, but we all do odd, different things, and it's okay. Yeah. It's your way of doing it. Cool. Well, so that's what your creative spirit is. Fantastic. Uh, I, I want to get right into then thinking creatively about this uh, this question, Greg. It's a question we're going to be um, dealing with uh, this whole month, the, the month of December, as we approach Christmas. Uh, everybody knows the It's a Wonderful Life movie. I think it's just about universal, uh, in, in, at least in this country, that uh, everybody gathers around at some point and uh, just about every Christmas and, and watches this movie and, and, and can probably recite a lot of the lines. Um, yeah. And, and of course, you know that the, the, the whole point is uh, George Bailey uh, gets to see uh, what the world would look like had he not been born. And, uh, and it makes a big difference because George happened to be uh, 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 intuitively care, caring about people. He reached out for people, and he made a difference, but he couldn't see it himself. Um, so we started thinking, well, interesting. What, 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 okay. So we actually even, we just did a video the other night, Craig, to try and introduce the subject, and we acted out. Um, I was... I wore my angel hat and I was acting like I was an angel and uh, a real angel, you know, not, not just an angel fan. Um, and, uh, the, uh, my, but the guy next to me was, was our token. He was an atheist and, and he was complaining about, um, uh, the holidays and the stuff in the window and the nativity. And he's just sick and tired of all this up and and he's being say I just really wish that Jesus had never been born and that's our question that's where we kick it off um, I I love that just have you kind of follow that somewhere and uh, and see where you go with that well, what you know what what would the world be like um, I, I know there's a lot of theological answers to this there are uh, philosophical answers to it, probably, uh, they're, uh, and they're very personal answers. If Jesus hadn't been born, but what is that? What What do you think of uh, right off the bat with that question? Well, you know, when you when you first texted me with the with the subject, it just sparked all kinds of directions that we could go. And one of the things, John, you know, because you've seen it several times, I have, and still perform a one-man play that I wrote, gosh, 40 years ago called The Fifth Gospel, wherein using a chair and a broom, I do the life of Christ and the people who knew him telling their story. And one of the taglines that I've used as a uh, as, as PR, both on posters and flyers and announcements and school newspapers, as I've done it at about 400 colleges around the country, is what if Jesus, what if God came to earth and lived among us? Question mark. And then what if it's already happened? 
And I mm. think that a lot of people, when we think about what if Jesus hadn't come, a lot of people live their life as though he has not come. Now, I think that Christians have much more in common with our friends of the Jewish faith than we do have differences. We believe in the entire Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, a, a, you know, a monotheistic, a single God. But they do not accept Jesus as their Messiah. There are certain criterion that they think he didn't live up to. Uh, in, in you know, it's almost in the same way. Not to make make our current president God, but you know, a lot of people who are in his party who don't accept him. Well, he's not this, and he's not this, and he's not. Well, you know, the only way you're ever going to get a perfect candidate is to vote for yourself, and even then, you probably won't live up to everything you believe. And so, Jesus not coming sort of has happened. He's not lived up to what we want. I love it when friends say, well, God, really, God, why is there suffering in the world? And I say, well, like what? What would you like to get rid of? Oh, well, plague and famine. And I said, okay, anything else? Let's make a list. Well, if you keep making that list, pretty soon you're going to get that down to, you're going to get past cancer. You're going to get down to car crashes and the common cold. You know, at, at what point do we get to live our own lives? And so Jesus not being here would be us on our own just like Adam and Eve in the garden, our free will. You know, I've always thought, in fact, I just wrote a piece on this that may or may not end up in the new book um, uh, about the Garden of Eden. And, you know, they had one rule. Don't touch that tree. Everything else, enjoy yourselves. In fact, touch each other while you're at it. And uh, that, But they touched <laughs> that tree. Now, I never thought it was an apple. I always thought that mm-hmm. the, the, the forbidden tree was a pomegranate. Because there's no way you can break open a pomegranate and start picking the seeds out and eating it and hide the fact that you did that. You're going to have stained hands and stained mouth. And, 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 and in that way, there's kind of a stain to our lives as, as to what, 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 you know, what we've been up to. And God came in and said, you know, let me take care of that stain. But some of us don't like that. We want to live our own lives. And so we would be on our own if Jesus had not come. And how would that be? Well, there are days when I don't depend on God as much as I should have, or I don't ask the Holy Spirit to walk with me through this moment. And the days that I do, I can't say those are the best days, and, geez, my latte seems to be more delicious today because I prayed this morning. Um, but I know that overall it's the walking with God. It's it's the knowing that that possibility is there. And I, I – I as a person, I wouldn't want to live in a world where that wasn't available to us, where the Holy Spirit wasn't there. You know, I'm a big fan of the Salvation Army, done a lot of speaking for them. And they get real famous during this time of year. And I used to go with them in Pasadena and serve out in the, mm-hmm. out in the park because they'd serve a couple thousand people on Christmas Day. And the news would come, and my buddy from the Salvation Army captain would say, hey, he'd say to the reporters, he'd say, hey, you got to come, come tomorrow, come down to our headquarters. And they say, what's going on there? He said, same thing, not as many people, no cameras. And then I'd say, and you ought to come the day after tomorrow. No, what's the day after tomorrow? Same thing, not as many cameras, don't feed as many people. I said, and the day after that, you ought to come. In fact, well, you ought to come a week from Tuesday. And the point was, they don't wait for a holiday. They don't wait for somebody to ask them to do it. They just go after you know. And, and it's interesting that God didn't take a survey when he said, I'm thinking about coming to earth, dying for everybody's sins, making your life better, and all you got to do is say, I'll take that. Now, I'm not doing okay. God didn't – if God had done a survey, you know, I mean, you can't – every time you turn around on friggin' Facebook, they're asking you, what Disney character are you? Or, geez, if you were, if you were 
plywood. What kind of plywood would you? I just hate those. I don't do those. I don't do those questionnaires, those surveys, because they always add up to nothing anyway. Don't make my life better. My question is, what's your life? How's your life going now? If Jesus is not in your life now, he might as well not have come. Wow. Let's let's just play. Can can we go a little deeper with this? Um, sure. Because I think what you're really saying is that that uh, for most people, for maybe a lot of people, Jesus hasn't come. Yeah, for most. Because he's because he, he is that because he's irrelevant in their in their life, right? He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't provide the services we need. We went online. We went to Jesus.com, like to Amazon. They didn't have our size. They didn't have our color. They didn't have all the things we need. So we went to another website. The other website was, you know, some self-help group. Somebody asked me if my new book was a self-help book. I said, no, you've got to read it yourself, and then you've got to do it yourself. So it's kind of a do-it-yourself help book. But you um, (laughs) – You know, we we don't we do live lives, or a lot of people do live lives as though Jesus hadn't come, because Jesus doesn't provide what we want Jesus to provide. And I think one of the things Jesus is saying, you know, I, I've given you all this stuff. There's a line in the in in my show, the fifth go- fifth gospel, where where God comes to earth. He says, I'm going to go down there and see if anybody has any questions. And I say, what if they don't have questions? He says, well, if they don't have questions. I've got a few questions. Like, why is anybody hungry? I've given you advanced agriculture, refrigeration, air freight. Why is anybody still hungry? Why is anybody sick? I've given you medicine. In other words, there are things that we could be solving that we're not. Why aren't we taking care of those things? Um, Somebody complained the other day on the radio. There was a show I was listening to because they were raising money for the Salvation Army for Christmas. And somebody called and said, you know, the Salvation Army, you know, they – they they take care of uh, uh, illegal aliens. I say, you know what they do is they take care of anybody who shows up and needs help. You know, mm-hmm. if I showed up there this afternoon and said, gee, I'm hungry yeah. and need a meal, they'd feed me. They would feed me. They wouldn't ask for my ID. They wouldn't ask for my Social Security card. They wouldn't ask for a donation. You know, they they might ask me to stay for, for a little uh, church service this evening, which they do every evening. Fine. But they they would take care of me, and 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 that's what God does. God is there saying, "Here, do you want some? Do you want some more? Do you want some more?" Um, I, I, one of my favorite mm-hmm. verses is John ten ten that you might have. I've come that you might have life, and that you might have it. And when I say it, usually, and in, in when I'm speaking and performing, that you might have it abundantly. People say, "No more abundantly, more." But you mean God thinks we're living in abundance and wants and brings us more. And, and and so this thing of God not being it's it's as you began with, with George Bailey. He thought his life was nothing. It was something indeed. Because the last mm. in the movie where everybody shows up to bring him more money than what what had gone missing. Mm-hmm. You know, the people were there the people were there for him. And it wasn't about the money. It was about the influence he had in people's life. And the same with same with Jesus. Right. It's just what is it you need? And I, I just, I think yeah. sometimes we whine, complain, and worry, and well, you know, what, what if I pray and God doesn't answer me? No, you, what you're saying is, what if God doesn't give me what I want? God will answer you. He might say no, hmm. no, you, you don't need that, or he might say, well, not right now. Maybe we're going to wait on that. There's always an answer of some sort. It just may not be hmm. the answer you want. And I, I think that's what, what um, you know that. 
the the Jesus wow. not coming, the it's a wonderful life thing is that that we live lives as though he 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 has not come because we're yeah. not taking advantage and of you know, that full life. You know what um what what I'm hearing you saying is is obviously it's it's something behind all this and you know initially we can think of well the, the people who are living um as if he hadn't come are are the people who aren't Christians. And uh but what I what I hear behind what you're saying is that uh just as many Christians uh are living as if he hadn't come as people who aren't Christians. And I would be on that list that too what, many days in the month. Yeah. Somebody yeah. who's not living and, and living can we explore that a little bit, Craig? I mean in what ways in what ways do we even as believers, in what ways do we live um, as if he he wasn't here, if he hadn't come? Well, I was thinking at Thanksgiving, and probably somebody else put this in my head, you know, that that, that Thanksgiving is about gratitude. And I'm a big believer that happiness is a moral requirement, that we we just – we make life worse when we're not happy. People say, "Well, it's it's not authentic." You know, if you're not happy, just pretend you're happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm an actor. I can I can pretend. I can go on stage and laugh and cry and be evil. I mean, I I played Satan in a street theater company. What else you got? And people would come up later and say, "You know, I kind of liked your character. I don't think I'm supposed to." I said, "No, you're absolutely supposed to. Because if you don't like my character, God is unnecessary." When I was thinking of Thanksgiving, that 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 you know the the gratefulness and and, and that I, it's hard for me. I am the most happy when I just take a moment and think of a couple of things I'm grateful for, and they don't have to be big things. I'm grateful for the fact that I've got a regular little coffee place, happens to be Starbucks. That when I walk in, whoever sees me that's behind the counter yells my name. I'm thinking about changing my name to Norm because it's kind of like an episode of Cheers. McNair! <laughs> and I'm as happy to see them as they are to see me. And and it's just built up. It's not because I go in there a lot. It's because I go in there a lot and I appreciate them and they know I do. And once in a while, I'm, uh, there's a, a slow moment and there's time for me to interact with them and find out, well, you know, things aren't going so well. And they might open up a little bit about this or that in their personal life or struggling in, in their other job or in their family and their relationships and whatever little light that I can bring. And I don't say, now I do this in Jesus' name, but I know that doing that is something Jesus wants me to do. And I'm grateful that I get to do that. It's not be, me being an artist. It's not me being an author. It's not me being a keynote speaker. I'll do that next week or the week after. But it's me being the person God built me to be and and I'm I'm just I'm grateful I'm thankful for that, and that makes me happy. And and when I'm happy, the people around me, you know, I I like to be around happy people. People say, well, it's you know, it's not all. If you're not happy, it's not authentic. And I said, really? Do you shower? Do you wear deodorant? Do you brush your teeth? Do you use breath mints and mouthwash? That's not authentic. If you're going to be authentic, you should be a sourpuss that stinks all the time. <laughs> So why not, oh, why not take a 
you know, if you can't think of one or two things that make you happy, and one of those things, especially as a believer, the life that God has given you to say, hey, every day we're going to work on you living up to more and more of what I created you to be, to taking advantage of all those. All those. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my, my people would ask about my, they'd ask my mom, you know, what was it like to raise it? It must have been really strange or hard. She said, oh, it was terrific. It was fun. She said, she said, children are born with ingredients. Turn them over, read the ingredients, and that'll help you understand how to raise them. If you've got two kids, you raise two kids differently. Not the same home and the same family activities. But I've got a brother who couldn't possibly be a more different person than me. Shy, quiet, athletic, but a great guy. Wow. My parents raised him. You know, and they saw that he was athletic, encouraged him to be in the arts. So he was in band and choir and art. And they saw that I was artistic, and they encouraged me to be in sports, and I was in sports. And we had a more well-rounded life. God, you know, get to, what does Paul say? Be all things. Be whoever you need mm-hmm. to be to people. And and knowing God, having Jesus in the world, and that means Jesus in your world, in your life, enables you to do that, to be you know, that, that fullness, that, that, that abundance. You know, people say, well, you're larger than life. Really? I don't think life can be too big. Too, can, I don't think there's anything bigger than life. Why wouldn't you want to do that? It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't at all mean you have to be outgoing. You know, I, I, was, I have a story about a friend of mine who said that people complained to her that, that she's larger than life. And I said, you're not larger than life. You're actual size. This is how big you're supposed to be. People say, well, not everybody can be a speaker and author. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. I don't want everybody to be that. I want everybody to be other stuff. I can't do 60, 70, 80% of the stuff my brother is good at. I just can't do it because mm-hmm. that's what he's good at. And he doesn't want me to do it. And I don't want him to do what I do because that's not, that's not who he is, you know. So, so it, it's George Bailey didn't understand until he saw the world without him, that he was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing all the time. No, he didn't get to travel around the world. No, he didn't go Mm -hmm. off and finish college. But he did a bunch of stuff that was, he saved lives. And and he did real, at the end, they all converged and say, we're all here in your living room tonight with this basket full of cash because you've invested in our lives. And yeah. and that's, you know, that's the investment God made with Jesus. And not to accept yeah. that, that investment, not to accept the story of Christmas is to say it never happened. Yeah. And Christians yeah. do too much. You know, when, when Christians, here's the thing I would say to believers, this Christmas you're going to be in plenty of conversation where people say, ah, Christmas too commercial, nah, 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 baby Jesus, and, you know, Jesus and God was really God that wouldn't be pain and suffering to say, just tell your story. Just say, well, here's, here's mm-hmm. what baby Jesus is in my life. Here, here's why that Christmas is important to me. Yeah, it's commercial. But, you know, it's commercial for a reason. We've made a big deal out of it. And it is a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal, and and all of that just gives us opportunity to fill in the yes. blanks. And uh, uh, you know, what, that's what I love about what I love about Christmas is that um, uh, we don't we don't have to bring up the subject. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else is. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a, people say you're looking yeah. for an opportunity to share your faith. Well, at Christmas, they're going to turn the lights on. Take advantage of that. <laughs> you can't walk uh, into a store that doesn't have decorations. Okay, man. Yeah. 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 Well, listen, this was great. Thank you so much. Uh, I love this direction. Um, I, you, you gave me a gave me a few catches now for the rest of the week for me to write about this because uh, – uh, what I, I think the final conclusion, if I'm right, Greg, is that uh, the one thing we can do is live, live as if he was born because he was. Yes. Yes. Don't, don't, don't. It's not your pastor's job to tell the world. It's not <laughs> John Fisher's job to write another song. It's not McNair Wilson's job to write another blog at Tea with McNair and, and tell the world. It's your job to tell your world. If that's one person sitting next to you at Starbucks, you know, there's, yes. some, there's some people at Starbucks I'm working on very slowly, but we've talked about it. <laughs> Fabulous. Greg, thank you so much. I hope you have a great season, great Christmas season. Are you going to do any traveling at all this, this month, or are you going to just uh, get your book done? I'm, I'm I've got my nose in my MacBook and uh, got got a good bit of traveling in in uh, February and March or January, February and March. So, um, but uh, for now, trying to get good. the book get get the book done and hand it good. off to my publisher so they can start turning it into a real book. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, let us know when it's done because uh, we'll we'll push it here on uh, on the catch. We'd love to do that. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll have you back again. Okay, Good. my That'd friend. Be fun. Thanks, John. Love if you. If I don't see you, be- yeah, love you too. If I don't see you before then, Merry Christmas. <laughs> you too. You, you, and all those, all, right. all those relatives you have. Yeah. <laughs> we got a new one. I'm a granddad. Yeah. Big time. About time. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Take care, my friend. Okay, John. Bye bye. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's fun, that's fun. Live, live, if Christ was born because he was. A great way to take our questions. I hope this has got you thinking, keep thinking. Join us, sign up for the catch. Hey, come, come to church Sunday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook. Uh, Facebook forward slash the cat. Facebook.com forward slash the cat. 6 p.m. We're having a good time. Come join us. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for more time.